this is my family. Uh, my wife Robin is here today. My two kiddos are in school today, so they couldn't be here. I kind of went through what I'm going to say to you today with them last night because I'm going to talk about them the whole time. This right here, if, if you're asking me, uh, what is an error in my life that I learned the most? I could talk to you about some eras. Like I could have talked today about my time in college, which was really transformational for me. I could talk about getting married to my wife and then moving to Memphis and having to like start off marriage and, and our, our life in a new city and our life with our church there in Memphis was beautiful. I was thinking through all the errors of my life and, and Jared, I think most of my life so far, I'm so blessed to say they've been gardens. Like I could just tell you so many good stories about my life. But if you're asking me like, what's the thing in my life that I have learned the most from? It was having kids. It was being a father. If you ever tell me there's some students that I have in class and you shared with me that like you're a, a dad or a mom, I'm going to ask you to see pictures of your kids. Like I am at that age where like show me all the kid pics you can because once you have kids, it, it, I, I don't know how to describe this to you. If you haven't had kids yet, it's, it's a feeling that, that you can't describe. So I want to go back to this is 2015. My wife and I find out that we're pregnant with our first child. And you hear that, and you kind of process, like, okay, we're going to have a baby, but you have no idea what's coming. Like, until that baby comes, like, you can't imagine what it's like to be a parent and have a child. And so, honestly, for uh, the entirety of that pregnancy, I was in denial. Like, I was like, this isn't really happening. This isn't really happening. Six months into Robin's pregnancy uh, with our first child, we have to move to Kentucky because I'm pursuing my PhD. So we moved there in June, which she was like super happy about being six months pregnant and moving in the summer. That was awesome. And so we get there and we really don't know people. It's kind of scary. And I'm about to start a PhD program. So I'm about to start a PhD and have a baby. And I was like scared to death. And so it was about a month before the due date, still in complete denial that this is real. And we go to a picnic for my Ph.D. cohort. We're meeting some of the professors. This is on a Friday night. Classes are supposed to start on Monday. And like we don't even know what classes we're in. We go to this picnic on Friday night. We're supposed to go on Saturday to an all day orientation where they tell us everything you need to know as a Ph.D. student. And by the way, here are the classes you need to go to on Monday. That was kind of how this worked. So we're at this dinner on Friday night, and again, I'm in denial. Like, we're not really having a baby, even though she's almost, she's eight months pregnant. I'm like, I still have a month. Like, it's not really happening. Um, we're sitting at dinner. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm telling this. This was not in my practice part of this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. We're sitting at dinner, and the lady across from us, she's like, oh, I love helping people have babies. She said, if you're interested, if you want to collect the placenta, I will ground it up for you, and you can eat it in pill form. Uh I'm like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> what did you just say? Have you ever had that moment where you're like trying not to show the shock on your face? I'm like not even accepting that we're really about to have a baby and then I'm being asked if I want to eat the placenta, okay? So we go home that night after the picnic. This is Friday night. I'm supposed to go to orientation all day. It's hard for me to fall asleep because I'm about to find out what PhD life is going to be like. So I have a hard time falling asleep. At midnight, my wife wakes me up. She says, my water just broke. I said, no, it didn't. Go back to sleep. Um, honestly, things happen towards the end of a pregnancy that are kind of natural things. And I just kind of thought it was one of those things. And uh, I said, your water didn't break. Go back to bed. She said, no, it really did. So then I went back to sleep. <laughs> um, she goes in the bathroom. She comes out and says, uh, no, I, water broke. Like, we got to go. We didn't have a bag packed or nothing. 
baby's not even supposed to be here for a month. I'm still in denial. I'm like, what am I going to do about school? So we're throwing stuff in a bag, and on the way out, I don't know why I thought about this, but I said, let's grab some towels. Towels. Thank the Lord we did, because when I say her water broke, this was old faithful, you guys. I mean, <laughs> goodness gracious. I didn't even know there could be that much water up in there, okay? <laughs> so, like, we get to the hospital, towels just soak through. It's just terrible. We're at the University of Kentucky Hospital. This is my wife. She's so embarrassed right now, okay? I know she's right here. <laughs> she actually came today. She's here. So um, we get to the hospital, and we're at the University of Kentucky Hospital, and they don't make the, like, birth ward easy to get to. It's not like at the front door you walk in, you're there. you got to walk in. you got to go through the whole hospital. you got to go to the back of the hospital. you got to take an elevator to the third floor. You have to walk down a long hallway to the check-in. And the whole way, there is a trail of water behind us all the way back. I mean, it's like Hansel and Gretel. You could just know exactly where we were. We get on the elevator, and you got to stand for three floors. We got off. The whole ed- elevator was full of water, and I thought the poor soul is going to step in here because you just have to let the elevator close and go back and do its thing. Uh, and so we get up to the check-in, and the lady goes, like, we're, I'm freaking out. And the lady at the check-in is like, um, she's like, have a seat right here and fill out some paperwork. And I said, I don't think you want her to sit right there. Uh, she said, no, go ahead. And so sure enough, after we sit there and calmly sign all this paper, the chair is covered and there's water underneath. And it was so embarrassing because, like, that's our fluid. And I just feel, like, responsible for cleaning it up. So I asked the lady, I was like, do you want me to clean up, like, our stuff? And she was like, no, we'll take care of it. So I'm still in shock this is happening. This is 1 a.m. I'm not ready to be a dad. And so this is the picture, like, they're like, it's happening. And so they take us back, and she's in the bed, and, and they come in and ask this question that, like, I was not prepared for. They came in, and they said, okay, do you want an epidural? And I said, yes, we do. <laughs> and my wife said, no, I want to try to do this naturally. That was the worst decision she ever made. Um, now, Robin is a tank. I mean, she, like, she doesn't get sick. She has... <laughs> She has a high pain threshold. Like, she does all the vomit and throw up and poop. And she was in the, she's an ER nurse for 13 years. Like, this is her. She can do all that stuff. She, like, your arm's falling off. Come to her, not me, okay? So she's like, no, I can make it. She made it to nine centimeters by herself with no drugs. But then I have an actual picture of what happened at nine centimeters. Um, <laughs> This is really her. Like, this really happened. Her body actually started levitating in the bed. Uh, She started blacking out from the pain. Uh, She was saying some not-so-nice things to me. And I don't do well with pain, and so I actually believe that the whole birth thing was actually rougher on me than it was on her. Uh, The the nurses in the room... (laughs) The nurses in the room would have to be like, are you okay, Dad? Like, you need to have a seat, because I was about to pass out. I mean, this was, uh, this was really rough on me, watching her give birth uh, to this child. And somehow she made it, okay? They get to that moment where they're like, okay, it's time to push. And then they say, there's the head. Uh, and it's like, this is really happening. And then this child came out, and I just automatically just started weeping. Like, this wasn't real. This is 2 a. Well, it's way past 2 a.m. at this point, but it's very late. Like, I haven't slept, and, and this thing just happened. I'm a dad. And, like, there was this feeling in that moment that 
I, I can't describe it to you. Like, I just can't. It, it's a feeling that as a human being, you can't put words to it. I've never felt, I thought I knew what love meant. You know, I was married to my wife, loved my parents, but I thought that I knew what love went, meant. But in this moment, there was just something that I had never experienced, a depth that I had never experienced. And I've learned more in my life from being a dad than anything else. This was him just a couple hours later, like, isn't that the cutest baby you've ever seen? And tell me that it is, okay? I had a really cool experience knowing I was speaking that I um, got to just, like, look through every picture that I've taken on my phone and of my family. So I was, like, crying, looking at pictures yesterday, just getting to relive uh, my kids. There was, like, a thousand pictures I could show you, and I really don't even know why I chose these two. That, it's not a flattering picture of me on the left. I'm in my house shoes and my undershirt, and I'm sitting there uh, working on something for school. But my two-year-old son, on his own, would push up his little chair next to mine and would sit down and be doing his work while I was next to him doing my work. And sitting in that chair looking down at my son, like I, I just can't tell you, I, I can't put that into words. Um, we just sang the song, How Deep the Father's Love. Like, I, I don't know how to verbalize that. Uh, growing up, he would ask to dress like me. So uh, this is just a normal Sunday. And uh, he would say, can you go buy me clothes to look like dad? And he would want to dress like me. I just can't, can't put it into words. He's just always been the coolest kid. Like, even as a toddler, he was just like, I am so nerdy. And he is so cool. And, like, I don't understand him. Like, he is so much cooler already at, like, three than I will ever be in my life. Um, he's so sporty. He is just such an incredible kid. I don't ever do, I try to limit social media. I'm not on everything that you're on, but I saw a trend last year uh, where people were having their kids like say, hold the phone and the kids we were kind of tricking the kid. They think that they're recording me doing something, but actually I'm recording his face. So he's holding the phone like this and then I'm just behind the phone. All I'm doing is dancing, but it's recording his face. And so I just want to share that little video with you right now, because I just want you to see his face. Every day's a good day, now let me tell you why. If you got air in your lungs, you got blood in your body, you are a child of God. Come on and sing it, somebody. On my best day, I'm a child of God. On my worst day, I'm a child of God. I've watched that 500 times, like 500 times. Like, I just can't put it into words. I tried this with my daughter, and she was stone-faced the whole time. Didn't even crack a smile, so can't show you that one. But when I thought I knew the depths of love, my daughter came into this world, Anna, Anna Banana, and so she'll be uh, running around. Um, this is her. This is on the right. We just let her be herself, okay? And uh, she thought that matched and wore that to school, and we just let it go because uh, she is Anna. And I have no videos to show you because if you try to talk to her, she's going to be like super shy and probably not talk to you. But actually, she has the craziest personality. Her face, facial expressions, even from when she was a kid. And I could just stand up here and tell you story after story after story of my family. But the reason I want to share this with you is because I now know what a father's love is like. And no matter what those kids do, no matter how many times they throw up on me or poop on me or seriously, this has all happened. No matter what my son does. Two days ago, caught him chasing around my, trying to hit my daughter with a real baseball bat. <laughs> no matter what he does, I love these kids so profoundly and would be willing to give anything in my own life for them. And the beautiful thing about this I want to share with you today is from 1 John 3 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. God, as Father, loves us in the same way that I love my children so deeply. And that love is self-sacrificial. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. My kids came out of the womb. They didn't love me. They just needed food and were crying and needed somebody to make sure that they stayed alive. In the same way, we didn't love God. He loved us long before we loved him. And he's, he's sacrificed his own son for our sins. The beauty is that God even knew that we would be sinners. God knew that we'd chase each other around with bat, bat, baseball bats. God knew that we would poop on each other, <laughs> metaphorically. And he still loves us. And because of that, just show of hands, how many of you showed up here and thought it was weird how many times people told you they loved you in the first week? Anybody? <laughs> Hear that all the time. You know why we do that, or at least why I do that? I do that because someone has shown me a profound love that I did not deserve, and I cannot help but show that to you. There's a story in Luke 15 about a son. He goes to his dad and says, hey, I want all my money for my inheritance. His dad goes ahead and gives it to him. He runs out and does really terrible stuff with it. He's sleeping with prostitutes, and he's gambling. He's just doing all this reckless stuff. And he ends up in a pig sty, longing to eat the food that the pigs have. And he says, you know what? I had it so good back with Dad. But I'm going to go back to Dad, and I'm going to tell him I'm not worthy to be called your son. And as he's walking back home, it's, it's beautiful. It says the father, who in this story represents God, sees him a long way off and runs out and greets him and kisses him. I understand that father's love now in a way I didn't before. That no matter where you're coming from, no matter what you've done, I want you to know the father loves you. And because the father loves you, how can I not love you? So if you have me in class, you're going to hear me tell you all the time I love you. And I'm not trying to be a creep. I'm trying just in one little way to picture the immense love that the Father has for you. And if I can just show you a little bit of that, that's my honor to love you because I was first loved. And to show you how deep the Father's love is. Thank you. <laughs>